This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I'm so thrilled that you've joined me today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And with that, I welcome you into what will be a very interactive edition of Equip. A little bit about uh, today, we're going to dive deep into a new study that absolutely reveals what we were most concerned about, and that is that our girls are suffering in just about every mental health category that is measured today by social scientists and by psychologists. Why are our girls so sad, our teen girls so sad? We're going to talk about that. And if you have a teenage girl like I do, this is deeply personal and something that you want to make sure you stay tuned into. If you're a parent or grandparent or you're working with teen girls, I want to hear from you. Uh, The phone number is 877-LIVE-675. That's 877 548-3675. I do want to say thank you for those of you who have been praying, in particular for uh, my alma mater, Michigan State. I just want to briefly update you. Yesterday, my wife and I got a chance to spend an entire day of ministry uh, there, and I'm super grateful for those of you who have been praying. Uh, We spent time with uh, students. We spend time with staff and faculty. We spend time with campus ministry leaders. And as you can imagine, it is a range of emotions from despair to hope, from exhaustion uh, to uh, anxiety. And uh, all of it, though, we just attempted to apply God's word as we spoke a lot on what Scripture has to say about grief, about loss, about uh, lament. And uh, such a powerful day of ministry. I'll be updating you more on what's happening there as far as ministry uh, to students. But just know that as you support this program, we are fundamentally committed to passing our faith down to the next generation. One of the core values of this ministry is to uh, train up children in the way they should go, to pass the faith down from one generation to the next. And so as opportunity arises for us to minister to young adults, uh, to high schoolers, to children, we take that ministry very, very seriously. Uh, Jesus commanded that uh, we not limit or prevent children from coming to him. And so we see ourselves as a bridge-building ministry uh, between the generations. And so thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers. Continue to pray, not just for the students at Michigan State, but for young adults, college students across the country, that uh, there would be a mighty move of the Spirit, that healing would come, that they would know God's peace. 
I want to say thank you for that. To find out more, you can continue to follow us on our website as well as through social media. Today, as I promised, I wanted to get into a recent CDC report on uh, teen girl sadness. Maybe you have been uh, following this report. Maybe you've heard the news. But the CDC is reporting a record high level of sadness among teenage girls. Uh, three in five girls are, are reporting that they are experiencing persistent sadness. This is compared to only 25% of boys, and I say only in a comparative sense, not that 25% is low, but when you're comparing that to about 67% of girls, it is absolutely alarming. So the vast majority of our girls are experiencing tremendous sadness on a regular basis. This is according to the CDC, who has been conducting this report on mental health, uh, particularly on sadness, every other year for about three decades. So they've been measuring this for about 30 years. And uh, this is uh, the first time post-pandemic that they've been able to measure. And uh, the outcome was stark, that there's something specifically going on with our teenage girls. And I want to talk about that today. I want to do two things. I want to share with you Four causal factors, because I think it's really important that we not just uh, see the data or simply bemoan the data, but I think it's important that we understand the story behind the data. There is nothing short of a worldview crisis that we're dealing with here. And uh, if you have a teen girl like myself, you are seeing it across the board. The fact of the matter is, is that one in four teenage girls communicate that they've either attempted suicide or they have a suicide plan. Uh, I just need to pause for just a moment and just just bring that moment, bring that stat into realization. This means that if you got four girls in front of you, if, you're, if your teenage daughter has three other friends, what that means is that one of them statistically uh, has thought seriously about suicide has thought seriously enough to develop a suicide plan, according to the CDC. And um, and as a dad, I've seen it. I've seen it among uh, my daughter's peers. Uh, we have had a number of scares over the last uh, few years of peers. And we primarily are in a Christian community. Uh, as a pastor, we're primarily surrounded by believing families, not exclusively, but primarily so I wish I could share with you that uh, somehow uh, Christian girls have been exempt from this, but I would tell you, at least from an anecdotal perspective, that's not what I've seen. What I've seen is that uh, the reports coming out of the National Institute of Health, as well as the CDC, is uh, spot on to the reality that we've been experiencing. And the, and, and, uh, the reality is, is that there is no standard profile for the girl that you would anticipate would be struggling with this. What I mean by that is we can't assume that it's just a fatherless girl, or we can't assume that it's just the girl who is having a hard time fitting in. Uh, The reality is, is that um, the girls that you might not expect 
the girl who seems to be jovial, the girl who seems to be outgoing or happy might just be the girl who underneath it all is struggling with persistent feelings of sadness, isolation and loneliness, as well as contemplating suicide. Now, I say this not to be alarmist, but I say this because it's something that we need to talk about. And if we're going to see our girls not only survive this moment, but thrive in this moment, we're going to need a holistic plan that includes parents, that, yes, includes pastors, certainly teachers play a role in this, uh, and all of it coming to bear on our girls because we love them. Today, I want to get into the numbers. I want to dive into this report, but I also want to take your calls. So let me give you the phone number. If you have a daughter or granddaughter or teen girls that you are working with, that you're seeing this phenomenon among, I would love to hear from you both to pray for them because I do believe that the scripture is true when it tells us that God hears our prayers, that when we ask according to his will, that he hears us and that he gives us our petition. I think one of our responses, not the only, but I think one of our responses should be faithful intercession on behalf of our kids. And you know, some may say, well, thoughts and prayers don't do much. Well, here's the reality is that Elijah prayed and he was a man of faith and God moved. We see over and again, Moses praying and God moving and responding. Jesus crying out to the Father and and seeing a mighty move of the Spirit. You can't tell me that prayer is pointless. There's power behind prayer. That is why we make our petitions made known on high. While so many are clamoring to be heard on, on, on earth, we praise God that we, because of the blood of the Lamb, have access to heaven. So we're going to pray today. If you have a teen girl that you are concerned about, if you have a teen daughter that you um, see the symptoms of sadness uh, in her life, I'd love to pray with you, 877-548-3675. It's 877-LIVE-675. Now, on the other side of the coin, I just want to say, if you've been able to maybe be an outlier and see uh, your teenage girls come through this generation with healthy emotional and mental health, I'd love to hear from you as well. What's working? What, what are you doing that may be different that you would love to share by way of wisdom with families who need uh, that wisdom? The phone number 877-548-3675. All right, let's dive into the numbers. Here's what the numbers are telling us is that there are three in five girls who are experiencing persistent sadness. That is um, almost three times as many as the boys. So there's a gender gap between boys and girls. So we have to ask ourselves, why is that? It's also one in four girls are contemplating suicide. Now, again, this is up from the last time this report was taken, where only 44% of girls we're experiencing persistent sadness. So there is a uh, just a rapid increase. So what are the biggest problems? I'm going to give you uh, just two, and then we'll go to break and come back and continue on. The first is not going to be a surprise to you, and that is social media. Social media is a persistent drain on the souls of our children when unmanaged and unchecked. 
teen girls, and this is part of what explains the gender gap, is that teen girls are more likely than teen boys to spend excessive amount of time on Instagram. Now, Instagram, in its own research, found that a third of teenage girls say this, that the app makes them feel worse about themselves. But what is interesting is that because of their social media addiction and predisposition to peer approval, many of those same girls say they cannot keep from logging on. Even though they acknowledge it makes them feel worse about themselves, they are predisposed to continue to log on. Now, here's what um, the National Center for Disease Control says as well, that it's not just what they're seeing. And, and I just want to give an overarching uh, point here. We're going to come to this in more specific detail in a moment. But what they are seeing is a hypersexualized culture that is overly obsessed with body image, They're experiencing what's known as FOMO, and maybe you've heard of this, the fear of missing out. So you go on Instagram or to a social media platform, and everyone looks like they're having fun. Everybody's life looks like it's better than yours. Everybody is using filters, so it looks like their body image is better than yours. So all of that is really, really uh, affecting them mentally, but it's also what they're not doing in exchange for their time on social media. What we're seeing is a drop in the following areas, going out with friends, getting their driver's license. Driver's license for teenage girls is delayed on average about two years. It feels like, uh, according to this report, that there's a direct connection there. Playing you sports is down among teenage girls as well. So in exchange for the social media time, they're giving up healthy activities like spending time physically with friends, like playing youth sports, and other social activities that can actually add to their confidence and build their mental health. Friends, we're going to dive into this report, uh, the story underneath the numbers. I don't want to just give you stats. I want to be able to help you understand the narrative. And here's the broader narrative. We are experiencing a worldview crisis. As uh, my good friend John Stone Street often says, this generation is suffering from a lack of meaning and purpose. That's where the crisis is. And if we don't help them to form a deep sense of meaning, significance, and purpose, these numbers are only going to skyrocket even more. Phone number to join the conversation for us to pray, to hear you and your wisdom and comments, 877-548-3675. Don't go anywhere. Much more to come next up on Equip. At Equipped, it's our goal to strengthen your faith. And we're always excited as we hear stories of people coming to faith as a result of our program. But we couldn't possibly accomplish this mission alone. That's why we're looking for equippers and people just like you who will give a monthly gift to help us keep this program on the air. Would you consider partnering with us? Become an equipper today and receive special insider benefits, such as a bi-weekly email that contains pastoral messages prepared just for you. Call 888-644-4144 or go online to equipradio.org. 
and every day to equip Christians to live, share, and defend their faith if it were not for your partnership and your support. So saying thank you is a a bare minimum for us. From the bottom of our heart, uh, we uh, just want to express our appreciation for your support and our commitment to doing all that we can to reach uh, the next generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. With that being said, today we're looking at a CDC report recently released on teen girls who are experiencing sadness, three and five girls experiencing persistent sadness, ages 13 to 17, one in four having uh, communicated a suicide plan um, in place already, having seriously contemplated suicide. If you're seeing these things, um, please know that your teen girl is not alone. Um, she it may feel that way. She may feel alone, but the reality is is that what's happening is a generational phenomenon. It's a pandemic of a different sort. It's a crisis of mental health, and in just about every category of mental health that you measure, from anxiety to depression, from coping skills, all of those things are on a decline, and we need to uh, sound the alarm, and we need to also recognize what our kids need most from us. Now, we just talked about social media. Uh, what I would say to parents, and this is not from a legalistic perspective, but if you don't have some parameters on social media engagement, then your daughters are at high risk. Now, one of the factors that surprised me in this CDC report was uh, parental style. That parental style is causing a huge, huge problem. And I want to talk about that. Then I'm going to go to the phone lines. But they identified this style of parenting called lawnmower parenting. Lawnmower parenting. I don't know if you've heard of this before, but it is the act of mowing down all of the obstacles that are in front of your kids in an effort to make life more comfortable and easy for them. And so some of the examples that are given is a kid not wanting to eat vegetables, a lawnmower parenting style says, okay, we're just going to give you what you want. You don't have to eat any vegetables. Or a kid wanting to stay up late at night. Lawnmower parenting style says, okay, you uh, you can do it. We're going to we're going to uh, make it easy for you to do that. And wherever there are obstacles, parents stepping in and mowing down those obstacles. Now, let me just say, whether it's helicopter parenting, lawnmower parenting, or whatever the new phrase is, I will tell you as parents, it is always tempting and always a challenge for us to not step in and want to um, want to help our kids to not experience some of the challenges we experience. But the reality is, if you think about your life, you think about our, our my life, the reality is, is that it was surviving the challenges that we survived that gave us the coping skills, the strength of character, the ability to navigate the world in tough moments. And now our kids don't have those skills. And so, and, so, and, and this is what the report, report spells out, instead of preparing them for the world, what we're trying to do is to create a world for them that's not true to reality. So then when they launch out, into the world and they face obstacles or challenges, they don't have the skills to navigate them. And so we we have to 
in the, if we combine the, those two data points, the social media data point and the lawnmower parenting, it's going to be tough. And, and especially if you've waited until they're 16, 17 years old before you address this, but you have to step in as a parent and say it's not healthy for you to be on social media in an unlimited way. We're going to put some parameters on there. There are apps you can use to put parameters there. There are uh, practices you can put in place, such as uh, phone-free times or social media-free days that are put in place in your family. But there needs to be digital discipleship in our homes, or we're going to continue to see these unprecedented rates of sadness continue to increase. Let's go to the phone lines. The phone number is 877-LIVE-675. Robin is listening in Chicago. Hey, Robin, thank you so much for listening. What's your comment and prayer request today? Uh, thank you for this topic. It's, it's, quite, it's very important uh, that we talk about these things because um, um, not in one community in particular, but in all communities, it's, it's rarely talked about um, enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but my concern, my thought is um, where you said one out of four girls, I have four girls ranging from the age of 10 to 16. Wow. And our 16-year-old, she expressed, uh, well, we actually, we caught her, not caught her in the act, but we saw her. Uh, scars, and we asked her, and she said, I was just done with life, and I was trying to end my life, and we immediately went into prayer, and we had our shepherd, uh, our pastor pray with us, as well as other ministers um, in the faith, Um, and what we believe, she, you know, got through it, but my question is, how do we as parents not give in to her? not yes. ignore the other girls and yeah. cater to her? Do we spoil her? Do we allow her sure. to have the hardships, but then still wonder in the back of our minds, is she going to, is it going to be too much? Is it going yeah. to weigh her yeah. down? Is she going to go back to it? So yeah, that, that's my question. So first off, she's blessed to have you in her life. So I just want to commend you, Robin, for being an advocate for your daughter, for all your daughters for uh, not only your role in being an awesome mom in her life, but I also want to commend you uh, for involving the church. Uh, You just said two very powerful things that are game changers for our our girls, having parents who are active, who are responsive, being connected to a local church. So I commend you for all of that. I think that uh, the reality is in the situation that you're facing is that uh, she is going to require some special attention, and uh, and you, you need to make sure you're giving her that. But that special attention should be the outflow of relationship, special time spent with her. Uh, it doesn't mean that you have to simply create an environment in your home where she gets whatever she wants, but it does mean that in your home, you need to have ongoing conversations with her. I think one of the uh, false fears that a lot of us as parents live with is the thought that if I broach a topic like suicide or self-harm, that I'm going to place thoughts in their head that maybe weren't there before. And what the report is telling us is that they've already been thinking about it. 
And there seems to be no additional correlation when we're proactive in engaging the conversation. So what I would say to you, what I say to myself as a uh, proud dad of three daughters, what I would say to other parents is that we need to proactively engage our daughters as they enter into the preteen years and into the teenage years with questions around how are you feeling? What are your thoughts? Have you ever thought about self-harm? Are your friends thinking about self-harm? So I think you got to proactively do that. I would also say that mental health is a team sport. And so I would go to my church to ask, is there counselors, Christian counselors that we could avail ourselves to? Or is there a mentorship program where in addition to you, in addition to parents, they can also have positive role models in reinforcing the right messages in their life? Final thing that I'll say is that this is going to be a tough, tough battle. I don't know where you stand on social media, but again, the major revelation in the reports that I've been looking at, both from the CDC and the National Institute of Health, uh, is the uh, effect of social media. So I would just simply uh, really encourage you to have boundaries in place, guarding against Social media overexposure. The other phenomenon that comes out of social media overexposure is the pressure that they feel to be um, woke on various issues. What I mean by that is the constant pressure to know what's going on. And so the global chaos that's happening from pandemics to wars to earthquakes, they're overexposed in these areas. And so, Robin, I would say guard against that, put some limits on it, and I think your girls will flourish. Father, bless Robin. Bless her girls. Protect their hearts and their souls and their minds. May they flourish in Jesus. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Friends, we'll be right back with Equip. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Grateful for those of you who are calling in today, talking about a new CDC report um, just issued about a week ago that says teen girls experiencing record high levels of sadness. They also include in their violence and trauma. Um, Because of our focus today, we won't be able to delve deep into the violence and trauma, but that is another very serious aspect of this uh, of this report. But the persistent sadness is something that clearly uh, your girls are experiencing as a dad of a 16-year-old. I am seeing it. I am seeing it um, in my daughter's peer group, and uh, it's something that my wife and I are trying to be as vigilant as we can to make sure that we are in discussions with our with our daughter, with our with our not only teenage daughter, but even our younger daughters recognizing what voices are in their life and also recognizing uh, how we can uh, best help them. But I will say this, as a parent, I am on this journey with you. Uh, I come to this moment as deeply dependent upon God and his intervention as you are as well. We need the Lord's intervention in this. 
And what I will say is that there are some big messages that are coming through, but the overarching message that I take away from this study is that there's a crisis of worldview. What I mean by that is that where there is a lack of meaning and purpose, there will always be depression, anxiety that fills that vacuum. We were created for a purpose, and the sooner we can help our girls to understand and identify that purpose in their life, help to involve them in positive things that are building up their self-confidence and also um, engaging them in social relationships and interactions, the better. I'm going to go back to the phone lines in just a moment, but let me just mention another factor in this story. So the first one was social media. Second one was parenting styles. We talked about lawnmower parenting and the danger of that, which we're all at risk of. The third factor was social isolation, that the pandemic had a um, extremely adverse effect on all of our co- children, children, but it seems to have had disproportionately an effect on girls. Now, could be a number of factors into that. One of our producers here was mentioning, I think rightfully so, maybe boys are not as conditioned to communicate cat- sadness or even as in touch or in tune with their emotions. That could be part of it. But the other part of it is that girls uh, seem to report being more interconnected with other girls' friendships and relationships. So when social isolation policies were being implemented, lockdown policies were being implemented um, during the pandemic, it disproportionately impacted girls who went from relying on a friendship group that supported them, encouraged them to being isolated. You combine that with increased time on social media and it's a cocktail for disaster. So our girls are socially isolated and disconnected. More and more girls are reporting not just sadness, but loneliness. And that is a huge, huge factor in this that uh, the more disconnected a girl is from social group, social interactions, and this is not just talking about peer social interactions. This is talking about our girls needing multi-generational interactions. Our girls need, yes, friends. They need friends who are peers. But you know what else they need? They need moms in their life. They need aunts in their life. They need grandmothers in their life. As a matter of fact, grandmothers play such a huge role as a safe person, as a person of wisdom and experience. So grandmas, don't think that you don't have a valuable role to play. Little Younger siblings are also important as well, giving opportunity for leadership qualities to be developed within uh, our young girls and for nurturing as well. And so the social isolation, the social disconnection that many were sounding the alarm about are now being felt. That ripple effect is now being felt in our girls. And it was there before the pandemic. I don't want to make it seem like the pandemic started it, but it rapidly accelerated loneliness and social isolation during the pandemic. Let's go to the phone lines. Annette is listening in Illinois. Hey, Annette, thank you so much for listening to Equip. Uh, How can I pray for you today? Yes, thank you for taking my call, and also thank you for highlighting 
what's going on in our communities with our children. Uh, I'm I'm calling because I have four granddaughters. The youngest is uh, 15 and the oldest is 18. They've been in my lives forever. I'm a prayer warrior. I'm not going to stop praying. But just recently after the pandemic, it became so bad that I'm no longer able to reach them. They're actually raising themselves because their parents is doing more than lawn mowing. They're letting their children mm. do what they need to do because it's probably easier. And then there's mental health uh, yeah, yeah. around the entire family. But I have to make sure that Annette doesn't go down the rabbit hole because I'm somewhat of the matriarch, and I believe that Christ died so that we can have life more abundantly. And yes. I also believe that if he did it for me, he would do it for them. But I just need some other direction besides the metal I mean, the medical, taking them to psychiatrists because I don't have guardianship over them. They don't live with me. Yeah. And so I can't do some of the things that I would do for my daughter and I. We both talk to therapists. We've been doing this for a while because yes. in the African-American community, this is what goes on in the house. Says, no, I need help as well. But sure. I also would like to have more information as to what else can I do sure. to teenage, with teenage daughters. And they're yeah. beautiful, let me add that I need to be able to help them even if I can't reach them. Yeah. Well, first off, thank you for calling, uh, Annette. Let, let me ask this question because I just want to make sure I'm clear. Do you have access to them relationally or have you been cut off from them? Uh, it, that's Well, it's a loaded question. I have access to them. We went together. Okay. We went out okay. for Christmas. The last time we were together was Christmas. Okay. So you, you are able to call if you need to. Or invite them over to your home if you need to. Is that right? Yes, that okay. is correct. All but right. they don't want to come because they know what I'm going to be saying. Okay. Get off the phone. I refuse to pay their yeah. phone bills. I will not have a part of paying anything on the sure. cell phone bill sure. where you spend 18 hours on yeah. the phone. So let me just speak to a, a few things that you said. Um, number one, I just want to commend you for your commitment to Christ. And I think you modeling that for them is is wonderful. But let me, and I'm really glad you called because I want to make sure that I'm framing how we approach this social media thing, hopefully in the right light. Yes, there needs to be a parameter, parameter set. Yes, you are right to say, I want to put my foot down and not participate in what I know to be unhealthy. I'm not at all uh, against what you just said there. But what our teens really need is positive alternatives. They need for us to think of not just, hey, and I'm not accusing you of this, but not just, hey, cut off the phone and let's sit here and do nothing, but it is, hey, let's go to a museum together. Let's go out to this event together. Let's go out uh, maybe even to the mall together, wherever the case may be. But being able to be out, go for a walk, go out and be able to enjoy uh, some activities, they need for there to be some positive exposure to the world so that they can see aspects of life and culture and all of the things that are available to us outside of the cell phone, and social media, if they're not exposed to those things. So I will say that if your grandma and you can look for uh, great activities for them to get involved in, then I would support that. 
I would also say that as a grandparent, if there's any way that you can enter into um, resourcing them, hey, I came across something I think you would be impacted by, be it a podcast or a YouTube video that's positive or a study that you can do with them. I know all of those things won't fit every situation, but I'm just giving you a menu of, uh, of things. So, yes, positive alternatives to social media. Secondly, um, some type of resource that can help them. Thirdly and finally, I'm going to say this. It's so important with our teenage girls that we not just invite them into our world, but we step into their world. And what I mean by that is you and I as adults are going to constantly have the advantage to be able to say, hey, stop doing what you're doing, and you're going to be on my agenda for the next whatever time, hour, two hours. But part of what we need to start doing is asking them, what are you interested in? Let's talk about what music you're listening to. Let's talk about what activities you find interesting. Let's talk about what movies you want to go to. You know, there is something powerful about stepping into their world. So maybe what this looks like is once a month, grandma is going to take all the girls out to a movie. And you guys get to pick the movie. And we're going to go out. We're going to enjoy the movie and grab lunch together. But this is going to also be mentoring time, bridge building time. The goal for us in all of this is to win their hearts, not just to win arguments, but to win their hearts as well. And so you sound like a phenomenal grandmother, and I know you've been through a lot. And yes, you have to protect your own soul. So boundaries for you are important as well. But I would also say that if you can step into their world and if there can be some regular rhythm of you doing something that they enjoy, but also giving you opportunity to speak into their life, I believe that's the uh, one of the most beneficial things that you can do for your sweet granddaughters. Father, I pray, even now for Annette, that you would guard her heart and mind in Christ Jesus. She's a woman of faith, and we believe, Jesus, that you have come to set the captive free, to give our children and our grandchildren life and that more abundantly. I ask that you would do it for Annette, I ask that you would do it for our children in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. What a great call. And I think one of the things that makes Annette's call so great to me is she's a grandmother who is committed to being in there in the life of her grandchildren. We need more grandmothers like that. I want to give a shout out really quickly to my mother, who's a phenomenal grandmother. Uh, One of the things that my mother does without fail, and I just brag on her for a moment, without fail is every day, every day, she's not only praying for her grandkids, but she's uh, calling them, talking to them, interacting with them. And I think that that's a blessing. Now, every grandparent doesn't have that opportunity. I recognize some are distanced from their children, not by their own choice. Some have limited access. What I will say is that there is no distance in prayer, so make sure you remain faithful, even if you can't be as connected as you as you hope to be, and try your best, try your best to continue to do all that you can to build those bridges that can hopefully make a difference in the life of the child and the grandchildren. So we're going to take a final break. When I come back, I'm going to land this plane in the heart of the gospel. How do we turn the tide in what we're seeing? This is so critical. It all comes back 
to how we see the world. Are we a mistake in the world? Are we simply here as powerless beings waiting to be impacted by negative factors? Or have we been fearfully and wonderfully made by an almighty God who loves us and has purpose and meaning for our lives? I pray that we'll be able to get this question right because I believe a generation depends on how we respond to this moment. We're going to take a short break. Don't forget, social media is available to you as well at Equip Radio, Facebook, and Twitter. If the program's been a blessing to you, I'd love for you to support the program financially. Dial 888-644-4144. You know, I've heard that for every one person that sends a gift to support Equip, there are probably 10 others that don't. But I can tell you this. We deeply appreciate every single one of you who support this program. Your impact is huge. Maybe it's been a long time since you've contacted Equip, or maybe you've never responded. Isn't it time to call? Here's the number, 888-644-4144 or EquipRadio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. I want to quickly go to Susan who's listening in Illinois as well. Susan, thank you so much for listening to Equip. Mr. Common, and how can I pray? I just want to say how much I enjoy your program and that you answered a lot of my questions and gave me a lot of ideas. I had four grandsons, and then my last one was a little girl, and man, did we <laughs> have fun in childhood and whatever, but she got to be 14, and now she's transgender. And she is uh, part of that community and uh, is finding happiness um, uh, pursuing being a boy rather than being a granddaughter. Uh, And I think your ideas have been good. She's into horseback riding, and I think that's an area that I can step into. She does not answer my uh, my messages, uh, things like that. So, but when I show up for horseback riding, she seems to be pretty happy about that. Yeah. But I yeah. am supposed to call her a he, and that is hard for yeah. me. It just yeah. doesn't come out easily. Yeah. So, That's so, it, basically. So, so let me just say a couple of things, if I could. First off, my heart uh, really um, rejoices in you um, because. There's a sweetness that is very clear in your voice and in your heart. It just shines through, and um, your grandkids are blessed to have you in their life. This is a hard, hard one. I will say this, that the best that I've seen when it comes to the gender trans, trans uh, transitioning, uh, the transgender community, um, the the sexual sexually questioning community, those who are questioning their identity, is um, the fact that all of the numbers that we've talked about about mental health are astronomically higher for them than it is for those who um, are not questioning their gender or identity. Now, there's going to be two narratives on this, and it really dry, being driven by worldview. One, if you are um, very much um, secular in your thinking, I would say that, uh, or influence, then the message that predominantly comes through is that what they need is just more affirmation and acceptance. 
of their sexual identity, whatever that may be, as fluid, as nonconforming as it may be. The other uh, worldview, and this is what I think Scripture teaches us, is that there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end of those ways lead to destruction. That the Bible has a narrative on sexuality, and our goal should not be to supplant the Bible's narrative on sexuality, but to allow that narrative to be the narrative of our lives. So what does a grandma do? Well, first off, if you are not going to uh, refer to them by the gender that they have asked for, I would highly encourage you writing a loving letter that expresses your deep love for them and shares your heart on why. This is why I cannot do that. And one of the major reasons why I cannot do that is what you're asking me to do is to have a funeral for the person you were because you're replacing the granddaughter that I had, that I raised, that I enjoyed life with, had so much fun. I'm, I'm not willing to say goodbye to her. And so because of that, um, I love you, but I'm going to hold on to um, that, that beautiful granddaughter that uh, I've enjoyed so much life with. And I think you writing that in love, and again, it may not be um, accepted in a positive way, but it will be impactful. Uh, Christopher Yuan's book, and I've referred this to a lot of families, uh, Out of a Far Country is a great resource. As a matter of fact, you stay on the line, and I'll have our producer give you the details about that book so that you can order it. But Out of a Far Country tells the journey of Christopher Yuan who was living in uh, a homosexual lifestyle and his believing parents, how they prayed for him, in particular his mom, and the impact that that had on his life. So I would say continue to try your best to show up for horseback riding. If that's the bridge, that's the connection between you two, be faithful there and be a voice for Jesus in her life because you might be the one that breaks through ultimately. Father, bless Susan, bless her granddaughter. Bring her to yourself, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So what do we do in this moment? Well, we need to make sure that we are speaking the truth in love and that we're modeling what Jesus modeled, and that is a heart that seeks to connect with the hurting. This is a time where relationship will win. And I will say this, what the Bible tells us very clearly is that God changes lives through relationships. What our teens need more than anything else is community and connection. They need a connection. The most important connection is with a loving person who will point them to the savior of their souls. And so I encourage you to do that, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas. Thank you for being with me. Until we're together again next time, as always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Hey there, friends. Chris Brooks here. Women in ministry is a topic that generates a lot of questions like what does the Bible teach about women ministering in their homes and even in the church? We're going to talk about how a woman can discern her calling with a veteran panel of women leaders 
on the next edition of Equip. Listen live weekdays at 1 Eastern, noon Central on the Moody Radio app or equipradio.org.